This is the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast, episode number 103. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am your host, Bruce Irving, host of the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. This is the show where we help you figure out what's working with marketing, entrepreneurship. We do that by interviewing the most successful restaurant operators and marketing experts to help you figure out what's going on. We want you to be able to listen to this podcast or the live show or go to the website and read the blog and be able to take away whatever you learn and go implement it immediately in your business. I'm excited for today's guest. Today's guest is a repeat episode, not a repeat episode, but a repeat guest. We've had him on in the past. He has eight locations in California, which is not the easiest place in the world to grow a successful pizza business. Prices are high, uh, wages are high, and he's been on the podcast before, so this is his second time. Always a great conversation to have on. Our guest today is Pizza Man Dan. We talk what it's like to grow to eight locations in a Cal- in a California environment, how he gets comfortable in front of the camera, what he does for marketing, if he even does digital marketing or direct mail marketing and what percentage of that he does. Tons of great information you're going to listen to in this podcast episode with Pizza Man Dan. Before I get into the, today's episode, I just want to say thanks to the guys over at the Pizza Phone System. If you're looking for some kind of phone system to help you eliminate the dropped calls or down phone lines or online ordering, Pizza Phone System is for you. They have a cell tower backup, which means you'll never have down, down phone lines again. You'll never have down online ordering. Never again on a Friday night at 6 o'clock will you have no online ordering and people think you're closed because of this cell tower backup. They also have 365-day-a-year, 7-day-a-week, 24-hour-a-day customer support. They know you work nights and weekends, so they do too. Head over to pizzaphonesystem.com. You can get more information from those guys. At the end of this episode, we'll be going over our Smart Pizza Marketing marketing plan that we have available too. We're going to be launching that pretty soon. You can see how you can get involved with that if you're interested in digital advertising and really growing your business in your own zip code. So stay tuned after this episode with Pizza Man Dan. All right, everybody, welcome to the show, Pizza Marketing Insights. With me, I am your host, Bruce Irving of the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. I always have a special guest on with me. Well, not always. We always either have a specific topic or a special guest where we help you in your business of learning what's working when it comes to social media or marketing, any offline or online marketing. I want to bring somebody on to help you answer questions you may have or you know gain some insights that will help you when you leave this talk be able to go and implement something in your business. And I have a very special guest on with me today who's joined me on the podcast in the past. I have on with me, if you can't tell by his jacket, Pizza Man Dan. How are you, Dan? I'm doing well, Bruce. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining me again. I know we talked We talked over, I think it was about a year ago now I had you on the podcast, way back when. Time flies. <laughs> I always tell people that when they find the show, either they find it now or... You know, they stumble upon a podcast episode, and I've, I've done over 100 now, and they find them. I said, you know what? That's great. Super happy to have you as a listener. Thank you so much for listening. Please don't go back and listen to the first 15. <laughs> now I've got to listen to the first 15. Because <laughs> they're, they're, the, they're not always the best. You know, you, you, as you know, as you do it more and more and more, you get better at it as you go along. It develops, yep. yep. So, cool. Dan, anybody who's new to the show or hasn't, I mean, doesn't know who you are. I know you speak at the expo and you're all over social media. You know, tell us, introduce yourself. How'd you get started in the pizza business and what do you do exactly? I own, uh, with my partner, eight Pizza Man Dan's in Southern California. We're about in Los Angeles, uh, about north, about an hour from Los Angeles. Okay. And been in the pizza business for 30 years. Started out as a pizza delivery driver in college. Ended up managing a restaurant and uh, just 
loved loved pizza enough to make a career out of it. That's awesome. Where did you get started? Uh, University of Rhode Island in in uh, Kingston, Rhode Island. That's a so I was delivering pizza there and came home at the end of my shift to my fraternity and all 25 guys in the fraternity stayed up waiting for me to get home with free pizza three o'clock every morning. <laughs> That's awesome. I was like, oh, this is how you make people happy. Just bring them pizza. <laughs> so you're not originally from California. No, I've been here for 30 years, but I've pretty much lost the accent. <laughs> I'm from Boston. So if you can't tell by my accent, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an East Coast guy too. I, you know, uh, hour and 25 minutes from there is Newport, and that's where I grew up. Yeah, yeah. What uh, what made you decide to move to California? Uh, they kicked me out of the state. <laughs> well, actually, I, I we traveled across country with a gal I knew at the time, and we ran out of money in Santa Barbara, California. Now, if you don't know Santa Barbara, it's a very expensive town, the worst place in the world to run out of money. Right. I pulled into town, and there was a Domino's on the right-hand side of the exit. <laughs> As okay. I pulled into town, I pulled in the parking lot of Domino's and said, hey, can you guys hire me? I was working a shift that night. <laughs> That's awesome. And how, and how long did you work there for before you kind of moved on? Well, I worked there for, you know, as a delivery driver for a few months, then became manager. And there was a company, in, there is a company in Santa Barbara called Rusty's Pizza. Okay. They had, at the time, five locations. And I had never been a multi-unit manager before. So I approached the owner and said, hey... It was about 30 years ago. I said, hey, I'd like to run your business for you, your five restaurants. And he actually had another five over in Bakersfield. So he hired me on to do that. And I stayed with him for ooh, 25 years total, wow. uh, 15, 15 running the company and 10 as a franchisee. And would you, did you sell out of that before you opened uh, Pizza Man Dan's? Or? <clears throat> it was the end of a 10-year contract with them. And... Uh, I, they offered me the opportunity to move on without, you know, without any fees or anything like that. So I was able to change the name from Rusty's Pizza to Pizza Man Dan's, and that was five years ago. And you, did you keep every, so basically you had the same systems in place that you used with that franchise that you've kind of, did you learn from them or did you help them come up with systems and implement them? A little bit of both. Yeah. The, the owner of Rusty's, Roger Duncan, was my mentor for many years. He and I worked together and you know, under his guidance, I, I ran that company, but he certainly uh, had a lot to say about that. And I learned a lot from him. So, you know, we developed that. And then as a franchisee, I developed some of, our, some of my own systems in addition to that. Uh, but the phone center idea was was his. And uh, yeah, just a lot of things that I took forward from there. Yeah, I had to change the recipes a little bit and so forth. But um well, I have, there's a lot of resources, especially when you attend Pizza Expo. You, yeah, we talked about that. Gain all kinds of resources. Chat. What is the what was the hardest part for you in that transition? You know, obviously having a friend. I always tell people when you're running a business or you are no matter what kind of business you are, when you're the number one, you know, it's 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 hard to be the number one. You know, there's not that person. Let me put it this way. When you're the number two, you know, I have people that work for me or you're the number two or you're number three. No matter what happens to you, you know. You're the number two guy. Everything could be on fire. Everything is going wrong. You can always look at the number one and be like, what are we no. going to do? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, when you're the number one guy, you can't do that. How was that transition for you from being kind of the guy that could say, hey, what are we going to do to being the guy that everybody looks at? What are you going to do? Uh, it wasn't as much of a transition as you might think. Okay. The, the, owner, the owner was more of a guidance person for me. 
and he gave me full autonomy. So it was always buck stops right here, you know, right in front of me, and I had to take care of business. So there's really no change for me. Okay, it's what I love about it. You know, that's one of the joys of owning a business is that there isn't anybody else, there's no board you have to go to, right? Maybe that's a disadvantage. I should go to a board and get some advice. Right? <laughs> well, I think there's a disadvantage. Well, there may be an advantage, but there's also a disadvantage. When you're independent, you do have the, and I always tell people this because they ask me a lot of questions about marketing or, you know, you get the ability to move quick. Like you can make a quick decision when it comes to if you want to do something and try something out. And if it doesn't work, you don't have to answer to 10 people to stop. It can just start. It didn't work out. I'm stopping it and moving on to something else. Yep. So that's like, a, you know. I, you, you look at these big companies and they go through their test marketing with new product. Uh, all I do is go back and make something differently and run it out to my customers for a few days and see what the results are. So, you know, that's, it's nice to have that kind of freedom. Right. You don't have the budget that they have, but you do have the freedom. So it's a give and take, I guess. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, so I know you do, I see you all over the doing video and I always tell people that video right now on Facebook is working really well, but you have to be comfortable in front of the camera. Not everybody is very comfortable in in front of that camera. And, it, and it's kind of the same thing. You know, there's no difference between me talking to you in real life or me talking to the camera on a computer. Um, but there's just something that happens to people when they see that green light or that red light turn on that they just kind of freeze up. How do you how did you get comfortable or have you always been comfortable in front of the camera? I got comfortable using an organization called Toastmasters. You've probably heard of Toastmasters. I have. Yes. And my due diligence for speaking in the pizza industry at Pizza Expo every year is to attend Toastmasters once a week and practice my skills speaking in front of a group of people. Do you still do that now? That works. I still do that now. It's my due diligence for life. What, what, uh, I, I'm getting into the whole speaking thing. I, I've been asked, I, you know, I do the podcast. I do the live show. I'm not super comfortable in front of large crowds, but what is Toastmasters? What do they teach you there? Toastmasters, you know, a lot of people think it's a, it's a club, which means that you've got this, I don't know, mar, you know, marketing to each other and all that. Toastmasters is unique in that it is specifically designed to develop communication and leadership skills. Okay. Your own personal growth. That's what you're there for. It's a structure. Uh, it's the largest organization in the world for that. And I recommend it to anybody. If you're going to speak for business in front of just your, your peers, you're going to get up in front of them. You, you'll get promotions by joining Toastmaster within your own business. And if you truly desire to go out and speak in your industry, no better tool to do it. Do they teach you like how to, do they make you perform in front of everybody and kind of work you through it? You know, it's, it's 6.30 every Wednesday morning. So I'll be going tomorrow morning. Oh, wow. Everybody in the meeting has a role. So you've got a role that you prepare for in advance. Some of those roles are a prepared speech, five minutes to seven minutes where you're presenting that speech an evaluator gets up and evaluates you, and that's a speaking role for the evaluator. Plus, plus your learning, and you get feedback from the whole club on 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 your performance. And what's nice is that because Toastmaster is such a structure, there is there's an absolute path to creating and delivering an excellent speech. Okay. Sometimes I wish some of the politicians would attend Toastmaster. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That I could stand to watch them. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, what do you? So is it, it's kind of like a mastermind group almost? Uh, no, because it's it's just for public speaking, oh, and okay. that's the key is is to think of mastermind would be more boy more like what you do, right? Is, right? is gathering people together with experience and sharing that experience. Right, right. 
okay so you said is it expensive can anybody who owns an independent place go and do that toastmasters is very inexpensive okay. i think the annual dues are something like less than 100 bucks so anybody who's out there who really wants to get out there it probably can help you just speaking in front of if you have you know 10 or more employees at a meeting and give you more confidence and make you a better speaker as well here's what i tell people if you are an employee and join toastmasters you will you will become promoted that's it that's what's going to happen because your skills are going to go up one-on-one -on -one communication as well as in front of a group of people your leadership skills when when you how many people have had the opportunity to run a meeting? Right. And and you learn that at Toastmasters as well. So it's not just the communication path, but leading people and bringing a group together. So you're saying I got to go get join Toastmasters? That's a fact. Okay. I think you're very good. But what it would take is somebody like you who already has natural skills and who is practicing on a regular basis. Man, it would just bring you up to a whole new level you can't imagine. I'm going to go look into that as soon as I get off of this call. <laughs> I'm definitely I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him tell Dan Dan the pizza man told me I had to get a joint Toastmasters. I'm gonna definitely check that out. Okay, so here's my story on Toastmasters. Yeah. <clears throat> Thirteen years ago, or fourteen years ago, I was at the Pizza Expo in Las Vegas as a member of the audience. There is a guy giving a lecture to to the pizza entrepreneurs there. I think that there was over five hundred people in that room. And at the beginning of the talk, he says, How many of you in this room are Toastmasters? Not a single hand went up. I had truly, I had never even heard of it. Right. He says, shame on you. You are the industry leaders and you are missing the most, the most valuable tool that you can have for almost nothing to, to enhance your skills in the leader in leadership and communication. So I said, Oh yeah, that sounds great. Like you do in all these seminars. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, my wife is writing it down. Okay. okay? Yeah. I get, I get back home after expo. I do nothing about it. She call. she, she looks around, finds a club, puts it on my desk and says, you need to go do this. <laughs> I joined Toastmasters. The next year, Pizza Expo hired me to be a speaker and has invited me back every every year since. That's amazing. You should go thank her. <laughs> I do every day. Okay, yeah. <laughs> my wife's probably watching this later. She's going to do the same thing for me now. Right down, yep. She's going to text it to me this time, though. Yep, yep. Um, excellent, Dan. So, so let me ask you a question. I know that you have the, the Pizza Corvette. And uh, someone actually, I think Dale's hair posted it. There's a group, a Facebook group that he's in. I'm in, I'm involved in, and he posted a picture of Mattel that made a pizza Corvette little matchbox car. Did you know about that? Yeah, that that's Pizza Assassins. That that's Dale's Pizza Assassins. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, actually, that Corvette was a little bit of my inspiration. Oh, okay. I had I had that toy, the Hot Wheels toy, or what have you, and. Uh, had always thought, oh wow, what if I could combine my two passions? I've always loved Corvettes, and I obviously have always loved pizza. So I took this sweatshirt into my sign guy, yep. along with my car, and I said, "Make my car look like this sweatshirt." <laughs> Excellent. Did they ever contact you and say, "Hey, we we, we saw your car. We want to use it for any promotions?" Um, no, no. They they let me put it on the Pizza Expo floor the first year. Okay, that's that cool. kind of cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So, all right, let's get back to business now. I know we talked a lot about Toastmasters, and I guess that's pretty much business. But uh, so, you, how many locations are you up to now? We have eight locations, and all in California. Now, California, I know, is one of those states like I'm in Boston, and you know, it's got a higher minimum wage. Is that challenging for you? Not really. Uh, the minimum wage is directly tied to the price of goods. Okay. So, if you if minimum wage is higher, then the price of goods is higher. 
Now, minimum wage is minimum wage. Right. <laughs> Let me ask you this. So in, in other states, because I get questions from people all over the country and they're, you know, they're working in states where minimum wage is, you know, $8 right now. And, you know, in Massachusetts, I think it's 11. So it's a little bit right. different. And they're worried about the, them raising the minimum wage and then their customers kind of pushing back on the prices that get raised. Now, did that happen to you at all? Or did they just say, hey, listen, we know the price of minimum wage went up. So we understand that the price of goods went up. I believe that if you're getting price pushback, that you have some disassociation between what you're offering and what you're charging. In other words, we all know that 5% of people might complain about price or have an issue with price. Right. And so you just have to accept that. But if it goes beyond that, if you're getting one in five saying something about your price, then you've got to disconnect. You are not lining up what you provide with what you charge. So, you know, I, I charge 20 bucks for a large pepperoni pizza. And for that, it has to be a great pizza. Right. <laughs> and it's got to be backed up with great service. If you, if you don't have those, you have a disconnect and then they're going to complain about price. So, you so have, no, I do not have a. a so you, what you're saying is you have to clearly state why your pizza is worth what it is before they even get to the price. Yeah, I, I'm not sure even clearly state. I, I don't worry about what I'm charging. I know I know my food costs. Yeah. We do our numbers down to a T. So I target my total food cost to be right now 27%. And that includes paper and everything else, everything it takes to wrap it up. Knowing that number, you simply back it off to what I have to charge for the product. I charge what I have to charge in order to keep that percentage in line. From there, I just have to make sure, I mean, if somebody says, to me that they have a problem with the price. I know for a fact, it's not a problem with the price. It's a problem with the product we produced or the service we provided behind that. Has that ever happened to you? Oh yeah. <laughs> I, know that's a question. I can't that's even, right. I can't even imagine. It happens every day. Okay. Yes. Every day where somebody, you know, but they're, they're, they may say something to the effect of, you know, for that price, I expected this and wow, isn't that valuable information? Very that's much consulting. So. Yeah, that's that's a customer consulting for you saying, you know, some 20 bucks is 20 bucks, but I expected more. Boom. you got to provide. And what do you do? What do you say to that person when they do say that? Well, I know that when I make the pizza right and back it up with the service that we know we can deliver, that they won't say a thing about the twenty dollar pepperoni pizza. But so so when they're saying something about it, it's because I, I need to fix something. Right. So that leads me to my next point is eight locations. How many employees do you have all, all together? About 175. So that's a lot of employees that you have to worry about on a daily basis. How did you get to, I don't worry. how do you find, yeah. How do you, do you have, what kind of system do you have in place to on, not only find them, but onboard them? Many times that we have a problem getting employees. When we look at it, it is not a problem getting employees. It's not a problem with with uh, gaining them. It's a problem with retention. Right. So more than anything else, you every time you lose somebody, you have to ask yourself, do I, did I want to lose them? And if not, what do I need to change so that I don't lose any more uh, good people? Because when you have a business, that just opening a business is going to attract people to come work there. Okay. If you create the environment within that business where people want to work and stay, then you won't have a problem gaining people and retaining people. But 
if you're churning through them, there's only a, a, a set number of people out there in your market who will work for those wages, who, who this type of work jives with that, what they want now in their life. Uh, you know, accepting, and we have to accept the fact that we are in an entry level business. We're not going to get the rocket scientists coming in. We're going to get we're going to get kids second jobs. We're going to get those kinds of things, and we need to work with that. Is it about expectations on our end as the operator? Then are our expectations too high for those people coming in? And not that you want to lower your expectations, but maybe you want to have different expectations for what those people can do for you when they do come in. Is that? I don't know if I'm saying that right, but you know, I understand. Yeah, maybe yeah. we expect them to say, "Hey, you know." They're going to come with us and do fantastic and work with us for years and years and years. And then maybe they don't live up to the expectations that we expected in our own minds. And then we get disappointed and kind of stop maybe helping them move up, move along. He's the man for president. That's the key. That's, that's the key. My guys are messing with me. Uh, you. You said something key there. You said that for us to help them. In other words, it's a give and take relationship. You're not just giving them a paycheck. You've got to give them more than that. If it's a if it's a student, you've got to work around their school schedule, knowing that there are times when they want lots of hours and times when they've got to study a lot. Right. If it's a second job, you've got to work around their family in that other job. Uh, you you have to set an expectation of what you want, but you also have to be fair enough to provide that environment for them so that they will stay. Very well said, I believe, um, and I think that that's. That's definitely key, especially nowadays where uh, I don't want to say like I hate not that I hate the word millennial, but I hate that it's thrown around like people don't the millennials don't have the same work ethic that we had. You know, my grandfather said to me, I didn't have the same work ethic that he had. Exactly. <laughs> so I think it's so. Yeah, I think that millennials you know, are fantastic. Yeah. You, you know, Bruce, the you know, the millennial. OK, what's the definition? Is it is it from 17 to 35 or whatever that yeah, I think is it's from like 1980 that, that to 95 or something like that. And I learned something every day from, from the people in that age group that work with me. I, I do. I learn from them all the time. No, they have a different work ethic than I did, but I can't say they have a different work ethic than a whole generation. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's these kids here, there's some of them who want to make a career out of this, and their work ethic is probably better than mine. Right. There are some of them who it's a it's a you know a temporary job and they're going to move on to greater and better things and so we just need to be that for them. So there's no millennial. There's Rick and Sally, and you just got to look at them for as individuals yeah. as they are. I think so. You know, when I come to work, we're in uh, 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 the Oxnard Plain. Is there's a lot of farming, and I drive into work, and there's all those people out in the fields, work who are already working before. As I'm driving on my way to work, they've already been out there for an hour right. working in those fields. Do you want to know what they do at the end of that day? They go to a second job at night. How's that for work ethic? That's pretty, right? pretty darn good work ethic. You know, and they're 22 year old. All right. So, yeah, maybe that's an immigrant worker status, but there's a lot of people who are working a lot harder than I ever did. Right. <laughs> right. You and me both. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you speak at the Pizza Expo. What are you? Are you speaking this uh, in 2017? I am. Do you know what you're speaking uh, on? Uh, <laughs> I usually figured out the day before. No, that's not true. <laughs> the, uh, 
there is a new process they started a few years back for special education uh, or, or furthering education, and that is on Sunday, Monday. So the expo doesn't really start until two, you know, it's Tuesday through Thursday. And they've taken Sunday, Monday and created these workshops. So myself and Glenn Sabulski run one of those workshops as a team, four hours on Sunday and four hours on Monday. And ours is about a growth and expansion. And, and, and that ranges everything from uh, the, the pre-planning of a restaurant and a concept all the way through to the concept is open and marketing that concept and everything in between. So we do that for two days and that is good for first time operators on the first day. And then the second day we focus on multi-unit. So that's worked for about three years and we get, you know, we get a good turnout for that. And those are the people who are very serious about the pizza business. In other words, they're not just coming to Vegas for a party. They are, uh, they're there cause they want to learn. They're taking tangible stuff back. I've had people come up to me after those talks and say, you know, you saved me $200,000 in my opening just from things I wrote down during the course of that talk. So that's some serious stuff. Then we get into uh, the Tuesday through Thursday where not only do you have the entrepreneurs and the, and the owners, but you've got a lot of managers and a lot of people who are in the pizza business, kids just learning about it, yeah. fun time in Vegas. And, and, you know, oh, my boss made me go to these talks, right? Right. Uh, and, and, you know, those can range anything from marketing like you do yep. uh, to personnel. Uh, you know, that's the big one of the biggest questions is personnel, like you're asking. Right. Uh, to to operations, to customer service. Uh, there's a wide range on that. One of the talks we're doing this year is on third party delivery, which is a huge thing that's happening now in our business. Yeah. Well, do you well, you don't use third party delivery. You have your own delivery system for each store, right? What do you think about third-party delivery? Where, where do you think that's headed with this old Uber Eats thing and everything like that? You know, when you think about it, now you you got Amazon is breaking into the market. Yep. So Amazon is going to contract. They're going to say, okay, uh, you can get a Pizza Man Dan's pizza, a six-pack of beer, and your smokes. And I'm going to have an Uber driver go pick it all up and bring it to you. So what does that mean to the industry? It means that the cons the end the customer is going to pay more for those services because you got like four middlemen there, right? <laughs> uh, it, it means that the delivery times are going to be a lot longer because they've got to coordinate that. So here's what I tell people. Third-party delivery is excellent if you want to be in the delivery business incidentally. Incidentally is where you really don't want to be in the pizza business, in the delivery business rather. You'd rather just have your restaurant and focus on that but there's enough of your customers out there who are demanding getting it delivered to their house right. that they will put up with the higher price. They'll put up with the longer service times and you'll end up with about 15%. That's one five, 15% of your total sales as an incidental delivery and do it through a third party. Great. All the power to you because now you don't have the headaches. Make sure you get the liability covered. Right. I, I would give that advice, but you don't have any of the headaches. And you're getting a 15% increase. It's beautiful. Right. What it will never give you is more than 15%. If you want to be serious about the delivery business, I believe it can be up to at least 50% of your overall sales. If you want to be serious about it, you're going to have to design your own systems. What do you do? If you had to start all over again, would you start knowing what you know now, going back to when you maybe not all the way back to when we started? We started a long time ago. But would you start with a delivery concept? Meaning delivery only? Like 
No, yeah, like if you could just like you know that Uber Eats is coming. Would you start? You're starting today. You know Uber Eats is coming. You know what what works in the business. You have the knowledge you have now. Would you start with a takeout dining delivery, or would you do more? Try to get people to come in more and eat inside your establishment, and then maybe use the delivery for that fifteen percent rather than having delivery drivers. Uh, no, I would do it the way I'm doing now. I like the diversification of, of what is what really becomes two separate businesses, okay. dine-in and delivery. And that diversification is great because I, just to, to oversimplify it, take a rainy day. Nobody comes out to the restaurant because nobody wants to go outside and you get delivery. That's an oversimplification, but, but that's really what happens. When you have those two businesses, they'll offset during different times that are natural for one or the other. Okay. Good answer there. I like that. Um, if you were starting over today, you know, what would you do for marketing? How would you get, you're opening a new location. What would you do if you had to use today's technology and everything you know about marketing over the years and you're opening a new look, not a pizza man dance because everybody knows pizza man dance. Uh, <laughs> Bruce's pizza. I'm opening a Bruce's pizza. What would you Bruce's do pizza. to uh, get the word out there? I would do the same thing that I'm doing today. And, you know, keep in mind marketing is evolving. I, I think I mentioned this on our last talk, but you're looking at the guy who stood up in front of the room back. What was that? What was before Facebook? Uh, MySpace. The, the, MySpace. Okay. Was it MySpace? All right. Yeah. So MySpace was still the biggest. Facebook was second, I think. Yep. All right. I stood. I stood up in front of an audience of a thousand people at the Pizza Expo and said, "Ah, the social media thing's a fad." <laughs> <laughs> I, I heard okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so what that means is it's evolving all the time. And I, of course, wanted to wait until somebody else had popularized it yeah. and, and made it work for, for our business. Uh, but marketing today is different than it was two years ago, even. So I, you know, short answer is I would do exactly what I'm doing today with my business is what I do with any new business. And is that Facebook advertising? Are you doing Facebook advertising? I do, uh, I guess the best summary is one third of my marketing is social media. And within that is primarily Facebook and Twitter. Twitter, really? But something people, yeah, and Twitter, so both of those. And something people don't think about to do with social media, but gathering customer feedback is a okay. major component of social media to, to improve your business. So that's one third of my marketing. One third is fairly old school. Uh, it is direct mail, text, email, and door hanging. I would so, say so I just call that. I'd say I call direct school. mail and door hanger definitely old school. I think that text and email are old school, but they are still there. I, I I would kind of lump that into social media. Okay, all right. I separate it simply because. Uh, the people who email don't social media, you know, aren't, aren't active right. on social media as much. Uh, everybody has an avenue that they use. Right. And the email tends to be an older set. Definitely. I, just say texting <laughs> because I know that my kids, um, mm. you know, who are teenagers now, you know, one will be upstairs and one will be in the living room and they don't even talk to each other. They'll text each other. And so text, you're right, falls into a more modern form of that, yeah. but it's not really social. No, definitely. So therefore, I, I, yeah, so I, I don't throw it into the social media category. It's definitely like pushing out stuff, not necessarily a conversation. Exactly. And what's exactly. the other third? Uh, then one third is community. And what do you and, do for the and community? community 
donate. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, I mean, obviously, you donate. You do fundraisers. Um, the we we have kind of a a, a multi pronged approach to that. Number one. We say yes to every single organization when it comes to donating gift certificates okay. for, for pizza. All right. So they're using it for door prizes, raffle prizes, whatever. Yes to everybody. And so just right there, we probably give away 10 grand a pizza a year by saying yes to everybody just because I have eight restaurants. Right. right. The second thing that I do is I have two event trucks. These are trucks that have uh, a hot compartment in the back. Delivery Concepts is the company that I use to build them. And we do over 400 offsite events every year. Wow. Those are all fundraiser events. 20% of those sales go to that school or that organization. So we're out at the event selling pizza and raising money for that organization while meeting the need of them having food at that event. So we have two trucks that do that. We also, uh, I stopped advertising per se uh, many years ago. I don't do any of the print. I don't do any radio. I don't do any of that stuff. Um, and we took that money, which at the time was 50,000. And we decided that that would go towards free pizza in the community under two categories, youth and adult in need. So with youth and adult in need, we have a standard 10 large pizzas free for every single event for any of those organizations. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but, but we'll increase it from 10 if we need to. In other words, they have something going on, we'll increase it from there. But our goal is to help those two specific organizations, all youth organizations and all adult in need organizations. We say yes to every one of those and donate pizzas directly. So, you know, the combination of the fundraising, the offsite events, the, the straight out pizza donations, um, you know, and then we pick organizations that we want to help uh, the, the local PALS, police activity leagues, uh, the YMCA's, the Salvation Armies. We're near a military base, so the MWR. You know those specific organizations where we can reach out to the community and help. That's awesome. How has that changed? Over you said it changed two years ago. Is that uh, just maybe more social media now than it was two years ago? That's the only difference. Yes, I would say so. Um, social media. The change isn't so much my one my my thirds. That happened with the with the advent of social media. Okay. So let's say that social media became big six or seven years ago after your that's talk when you I said it was not going to be big right like five minutes after my talk yeah yeah <laughs> so you know we went back we split it into thirds that was my my package what changes is how you how you deal with that i mean it it is it is very interesting so, so we have specific programs for example we used to handle it in-house now is the time to consider hiring you know with one restaurant very difficult right but if you have multiple restaurants and you do not have a social media expert that, that you have hired outside of your organization you're making a mistake i swear to god i didn't set dan up for that question <laughs> it's a fact yeah. I, you cannot uh you cannot manage it when you get beyond one restaurant no i agree with you because it, it changes so quickly and i tell people because i get a lot of questions because we heavily use facebook advertising right now and uh what I say is we do a lot of Facebook advertising, but we do Facebook advertising now, but that may change six months or 12 months from now. We, we look at where people's attention is. And right now we think that Facebook is kind of like the television of 2016 and 2017. That's where people go when you know, the clicker drops off the couch and the commercial comes on and they're too lazy to go get it. They pick up their phone and they scroll Facebook. So we want to make sure that people are on there. So, but that, like you said, it changes so quickly. Facebook people could go look at this interview right now, 
in uh, a year from now and be like, wow, Bruce was an idiot. He's talking about Facebook and it's not even around anymore. So you never know what could happen. It's very, it's very current. It's changing like that. Yeah, exactly. So we just want to be and, and that's attention is now. Exactly. So here, what I'm doing is every day I'm focused on how to create great food, how to create an environment where my people enjoy their work and continue to coming back. I'm a pizza guy. That's what I do. Right. I don't do my own tax accounting. Right. And, and I don't do my, now when I say I don't do my own social media, I hire an expert. Now he directs me on how to do it. He said, Hey, stand in front of this camera and you know, <laughs> right. re recite a poem, whatever. All right. right. But so, so I need that because I need an expert, you, anybody who, who is, who's thinking about this as much as I think about how to create a beautiful pizza. Right. And you, and you're studying that my social media guy is studying that and saying, okay, how can I, how can I tweak this? Do I need more food uh, shots? Do I get more, more uh, interaction when I do people shots? Whatever it is, uh, those are the things that are constantly changing and you, and you need an expert to adapt to those who's looking at them all the time. I totally agree. And it, like you said, it can be, it's hard when you're a single unit operator, but you got to make a choice. You know, I think you have, sometimes you got to make a choice if you want to invest in your business. And I always tell people, cause people think I hate direct mail and I don't hate direct Dale. I don't hate direct mail. I know Dale's watching right now. He's going to yell at me for that. Um, but I don't, I don't hate, I don't hate direct mail. What I do hate is how much direct mail takes up of your marketing budget. Um, so if you're a single unit operator and you only have a certain amount of money and you only have one shop, you do direct mail. That's like almost a hundred percent of your marketing budget has to go to really move the needle nowadays with direct mail. Well, you could spend that well, same money or less. But that, but I think, I think we're talking about two different things. When I define direct mail, keep in mind, I don't advertise to non-customers ever. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I think my direct, direct mail, mail as as a blind, areas. Yeah. saturation all right that's a that is you you might as well go down to the end of the harbor turn your wallet upside down over the ocean and <laughs> you know feed the fish with it because so when i say direct mail we send a direct mail piece our menu once every six weeks to our customer base only that's so it. people are in your database yeah the only reason i do that bruce is because i i imagine that my customer is just like my wife Gorgeous, and there's always people trying to, you know, <laughs> get her to go on a date. Okay, you steal her away. So, so think about it. Your customers are being solicited by your competitors all the time. All I want to do is remind them that I'm here. I got great food. You know, we change the menu every once in a while. We different yep. photos on it, what have you. I I just want to be in their face so they remember that I'm here. I got you. Same, same I as my wife. I got to go home every day, right? <laughs> You got a reminder that you're there. You got to go take a exactly. shower, shave a little bit, yep, get some exactly. new shirts, maybe. Otherwise, you got to <laughs> right. find somebody else. Um, yeah, I agree with you on that. I do think that you know that in that direct mail in that sense, I agree with. Not necessarily mm -hmm. kind of coming in, coming as a new person into the market and saying, "I'm going to send a direct mail piece to my entire zip code." Yeah, and and you that's can do, you can do much more. Well, when you open a new restaurant, you got to do that. And and my program, we do that twice. We wait four weeks after we're open. We saturation direct mail uh, to the entire market, which I split over the course of four weeks. So it kind of you know filters in. I then wait four weeks and then I do it again and I'm done for life with that restaurant. Doesn't matter. So that's just an introduction to the. Uh, it's an introduction. To yeah, okay. Correct. And, uh, do you also do like Facebook advertising when you do the market? Uh, of course. So, uh, you know, 
what, one of the things that's interesting that I find with multi-unit is they have set up different Facebook pages for each unit. Yeah. Now, if you're a, if you're a franchisor, I can see why you may do that for your franchisees because your franchisees are not going to want to do what you're doing. They're not going to want right. their, their customers to. But when you have multi-units under one uh, one company, I would recommend one Facebook page and don't split it all up. And so, you know, obviously that one Facebook page, we have new location. We're promoting that new location on that Facebook page, but it's not a new Facebook page. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. so. you can target people even from that one Facebook page in that other location. Of course. Yeah. And that's so, yeah, that's I, the advantage of social media, right? Yeah. I always tell people, the only thing that I would add to that is if I tell people, like if yourself, if you say, hey, listen, if you are planning on franchising maybe one day, go, you know. Re, re, reserve that Facebook page for that one particular location and then just don't do anything with it. Just kind of not sit on it, but sit on it just in case somebody else grabs it on you. That's why you're the expert. See, we need people like you to tell us these things. We're pizza guys. Right, right, right. I know, I know I'm, I'm coming from the inside out. Right. Well, I don't want to take, I've been on the, I've been on the line with you now again, 40, 40 minutes. I don't want to take too much of your time, but I could talk to you all day long. So I appreciate you taking the time out of your night. Talk cool. To me. All right, Bruce. Anytime, man. I enjoy talking to you. I learn something every time. <laughs> Excellent. So, Dan, uh, you know, what's your website again? Just uh, I should have it. I'm, I'm a terrible host. I should have it in front of me, but I don't have it in front of me. Website. I don't. Uh, you know, I don't even, everything is Pizza Man Dance. So PizzaManDance.com. Actually, I just found it. There you go. That'll work. Right. Yeah, yeah. PizzaMan Go check him out. Go say hello to him. Uh, tell me you, you heard him on the show. Say hi. You're going to be at the Pizza Expo this year. I'm going to come say hi to you there. I'm definitely going to be there this year. We'll shake hands in person. Way to go, Bruce. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the show. If you have any questions, you can shoot me an email, Bruce, at smartpizzamarketing.com. Thank you so much to Dan for joining me on another fantastic episode. See you next time. Thanks, Bruce. All right. I just want to say thanks to Dan for joining us again on these live shows. I love when these guys come on with me live because you get to join us, ask questions, engage with them. They're really smart guys. They've obviously grown tremendously successful businesses, so it's great to have them on. Pick their brains and help you figure out what you can take away from what they've already done or been successful at or mistakes they've made and either not make those mistakes or take what they've done that's worked and then use it in your business. All right. Last thing I want to mention before we go, SPM marketing is now available all over. What this is, is marketing, digital marketing platform specific by zip code. And what that means is we don't work with anybody else in your zip code. If you work with us in your zip code, we're exclusive to you. No conflict of interest, no working with the guy across the street. We'll build you a mobile responsive website. We do digital advertising for you and email campaigns all with one thing. No five different people. One does Facebook ads, one does Instagram, one posts your social media, one runs your email, another guy does your website. We do it all, and we know how to do it specific for pizza restaurants. If you want more information on that, you can either shoot me an email, bruce at smartpizzamarketing.com, or go to smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash zip. Also, come say hello to me on Twitter. I am at Irving Media. On Snapchat, I am at Smart Pizza Tips. And on Instagram, for Instagram stories, see what's going on behind the scenes of the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. I am at Smart Pizza Marketing. Okay, thank you guys so much for listening. I really super appreciate you listening, taking the time out of your day, whether you're at the gym or driving to work or at work. I just want to say thank you and hopefully this show has helped you out. If it has, shoot me an email, bruce at smartpizzamarketing.com. I'd love to hear from you. And until next week, see ya.